0: Welcome to episode 18 of The Putting Couch, brought to you by the Seymour Putter Company's tour team. I'm Jim, along with Cody Hale and Ted Galena. Guys, uh, 18 episodes already.
1: It's pretty awesome. 18 good episodes.
0: And we get a lot of great feedback from our listeners, and we love it. So keep the feedback coming. And I know the listeners are going to be really fired up today because uh, we're circling back to Dr. Bob Winters, who brings us so much great insight into the whatever it is, 90% of the game that's mental. And uh, we just love talking to Dr. Bob. So, Dr. Bob, uh, welcome back to the putting couch.
2: Good morning, fellas. How are you? Doing great.
1: Great Doing great. How's everything down in Florida?
2: Everything's great down here in Florida. I'm uh, moving up to the Midwest here in about 10 days, doing a lot of work up there, a lot of clients, a lot of great players, and looking forward to getting into a little bit cooler weather. I don't know how the weather there is in Nashville, but I know down here in Orlando, it's about 85 to 90 degrees. And I really want to tell kind of a funny little story because I was working with a great senior amateur golfer. Uh, up outside Boston, Massachusetts a couple summers ago. And it was a beautiful July day, blue canary sky, no humidity. And he looked at me, he said, Doc, he goes, look at this, look at this weather. He goes, isn't it beautiful? He goes, do you have days like this down in Florida? I looked at him, I said, Richard, we do. We call it winter. (laughs) so uh, so that was kind of the story we we call it winter down here so obviously we're looking for the weather to break a little bit i love the sweater weather so looking forward to getting up north and uh, working with some great players but looking forward to talking with you guys today
0: fantastic well you know it's it's october and we don't usually date any of these podcasts but at this point in time, a lot of golfers have sort of come through a golf season and, and maybe they had goals and maybe they didn't. But, you know, whether you're heading into, you know, the new season in the south, uh, you know, where the, where the sort of golf season starts down south in Florida and Arizona or... Or if you're already looking forward to next spring and you're counting the days, it's a great time of the year for golfers to sort of take an inventory, take note of what worked and what didn't work and how they can improve their game for the, for the coming season. So, Doc, what, what would be a good topic to talk about today that might help our listeners to start thinking about some areas that they could improve in the putting game?
2: There are so many areas, but I would love to talk about just how do you prepare yourself to putt well? On any given day, how do you warm up your mind? How do you warm up your putting feel, your putting touch, and how do you get yourself prepared to go out and putt with confidence? I think everyone would like to hear a little bit more on that subject.
0: That sounds great. Yeah, let's do it, Doc. We'll have uh, you know we'll let you uh, we'll let you run, and we'll uh, we'll ask questions uh, for our listeners as uh, as we can. But uh, I think that you know the preparation. You think about going to the range and you think about hitting balls and, you know, you think about hitting putts, but you're talking about actual mental warmups.
2: Well, I'm talking about mental and physical warmups. I I don't really where there's a dichotomy between the two because action follows thought. And if you can get your mind in the right place and get your feel and your touch, your tactile, your touch system. And you can get everything gelling. I think you're going to go out and have a great putting day. But I think people are very consistent with their inconsistency of going out and playing golf, especially about their putting warm up. So I love to kind of give a few ideas with uh, you guys on what you know we teach, You know, not only our junior players, our, our college players, but even our elite tour players, because they're always looking for new ideas
1: yeah I think that's great I, I think a lot of times people don't even even have that in a thought when they're they're going out
2: and trying to learn something new um, so it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say well one of the first things that I am always looking for in a player when they come and see me here at Orlando or wherever we're talking whether it's on a tour stop or it's at a, a college campus the first thing I always ask people, are, are you a good putter? And they'll always look at me, and many times I'll get a knee-jerk reaction, and that's why I'm asking it. And if they cannot tell me yes, and they'll say, mm, maybe, I'm streaky. Well, what I'm really looking for is, well, what do you do consistently well? And what I'm finding is that most people are consistently inconsistent with their warm-up, even just the way they go out to actually get ready to play golf. Regardless of whether they're hitting balls, you know, on the long range, but what you'll usually see, you'll see a player come and they'll throw three balls down from about 15 feet and they'll go to a putting cup and they'll hit the first putt and they may make it. They may not. Most of the time, say 90% they miss. So their first day, their first executed stroke, they see a miss. To me, I think that's just negative programming. And they may miss again, and they may miss again. So they've actually hit three putts from 15 feet, which isn't the highest percentage you know, of a makeability putt, but it is definitely an opportunity putt because as we have talked before in uh, other conversations, every putt can be made and every putt deserves to be made. But I just don't think that is a very good way to start warming up your putting touch, and your putting acumen. So what I try to do is get players to just throw three balls down and really try to find something out about the core speed of the green. And if you don't know really what that means, and I'll explain to our listeners, the core speed is really sort of the the running speed of the ball once it's actually rolling across the green. And it's really sort of looking at the friction, the resistance, you know, that the ball is feeling as you're actually seeing that ball roll. And a lot of times we we see a green, we use our eyes, we walk on the green, we recognize whether it's, you know, uh, firm or whether it's spongy or or slow. And we can talk about, you know, the green, you know, the length of grass. I mean, there's a number of different things, but I just think it's a good idea. And I kind of want your guys' thoughts. Is this now, I like to have players just hit some balls across the green without any evaluation, any judgment, and just hit three balls solid, maybe 30, 40, 50 feet across the green just to kind of get an idea of that core speed or what I call the running speed, because as the old coach Yogi Berra said, you could learn a whole lot just from watching. And so just watching that ball go across the green, you're going to get some instant feedback as to how that ball was running, how hard you hit it, and what you need to do in order to create that feel. I think golfers have it completely backwards. They start you know, at three feet, four feet. They bring out all of these different contraptions, which are good for practice if you're practicing. But if you're preparing your mind to go play, I don't really like to see a lot of contraptions. And I think one of the very best practice devices by players you know, of, of the highest caliber was one Tiger Woods where he would actually put the two tees down and he would make a lot of five and six footers, but he would have the ball in his putter head going through the gate, making sure of his stroke, making sure he had that putting stroke confidence that he was getting that putter squared impact going down the line and he was seeing a lot of success. So for me, it's about keeping your putting practice simple yet very effective
0: and that's that's the putting that you're gonna uh, practice right before you go out and play and you're saying there are other days if you really I mean if you've set a day aside to just go practice that's when you can maybe start expanding your your sort of repertoire in terms of training aids and what have you
2: yes absolutely I, I think you really have to sort of wean yourself off from the practice aids when it's tournament day or it's play day when you're actually going out to, to play and shoot a score. Um, what I mean by weaning yourself off of it, I know that a lot of players they'll put down, you know, the, which you have given me and I love them, you know, the Seymour putting guide, the mirrors, I think those are great, you know, for practice days. And if you want to use them a little bit before you play, just to kind of make sure again, you know, Hey, listen, this is individual differences. You know, different strokes for different folks. I mean, what works for one player may not work for another. But what I would say is what I'm trying to do is get players to use their mental imagery, their visualization, their tactile senses to really see and and really make their warm up pretty much like it's going to be in performance. That is something that comes out in the psychological sports psychology literature loud and clear. If you can get your arousal level, if you can get your practice level, you know, the same as it's going to be in performance, your performance would be pretty daggone solid. So that's why we're trying to make it as similar and as real as we can in the warm up. And that's why a lot of times I'll have players just use one ball at certain periods and they'll go around the hole 15, 20 feet because each putt is a novel new experience. So now they're warming up their feel, they're warming up their touch, but they're warming up their decision making, their estimation of how you know this ball is going to break. So that's really what you know mental warm up, uh, incorporating the physical skill is all about It's getting your eye, mind, and body working as one, so that you can putt with this emotional freedom that Cody was talking about. And to me, there's nothing more important. Than having the emotional freedom, the confidence to say, hey, this putt's going to go in and step up there and hit it with that freedom that allows you to make a free and fluid stroke. Doc,
1: how do you relay to your students staying comfortable and relaxed, you know, before, around, during a round when they're making the putting stroke? How do they how, how do they keep that in their mind instead of always feeling like you know I got to make this putt I'm they tense up you know it's sort of I guess very similar to making a full nice fluid golf swing but once you get step onto that putting green I mean it, it's sort of all of a sudden muscles start to tense how, how, how does that work in their in their mind?
2: There is so much wantism so much triosity but after having worked, and talk with some of the best putters in the world. And I'm going to give you two of the very best, Ben Crenshaw and Brad Faxon. And I've always loved Gentle Ben, because Gentle Ben said, listen, when I step into a putt, I'm going to go up there. I do want to make it. And I'm going to do everything I can to put a really solid stroke and hit my ball roll line as accurately as I can. Once I've hit it, I've done everything I can. I have to accept it. And if that ball wants to hang on the lip, then dadgummit. You know, it's you know I've done the very best I could. He goes. I've just kind of let that want to. I have to. I should. You know what we call you know just must. I must make it. They let go of that. Brad Faxon said he puts his very best when he really doesn't care about making or missing. He his whole process. His goal is to step up there. And hit his putt solid the way he wants to. And I think for all of our listeners is that when you are trying so hard or you say, you know, I should be able to make this. You do suffer from the tyranny of the shoulds or, you know, I'm trying to make it so hard or I must, I must, I must. That's where that wantism, that triosity, it interferes with that emotional freedom that I talk about and Cody has alluded to here in the program. When you putt with freedom, you're finally saying, you know what, I'm not trying to miss. I'm trying to make the putt. But even if I do miss, I'm missing it while trying to make it. But I'm going to give myself the freedom and the flow to hit this putt the way I want to. If it doesn't go in, hey, I'm not going to beat myself up or hold myself emotionally hostage. That's really what great putting I think is all about. And if you can get yourself to that mindset and mood set, I think it's a mood set. I think it's a feeling more than it's even a cognitive thought. I think that's when you really start to putt unbelievably well.
1: It sounds awesome, but that is so hard to do if I make it Four bogeys in a row, and I finally get on that green for par, and I'm at 10 feet. I'm like, I'm not going to make another bogey. I'm going to do whatever I can to make this putt, and it's just hard to relay that in, you know,
2: a golfer's mind. And, Ted, you're exactly right because everyone is playing the wrong game. They are playing the game of labeling, the game of score, the game of counting. And what, you know, they need to realize is that nothing matters more than this one putt. Now, this one putt is the putt that gets me going. But if we break down and cut out all of this psychological wantism, this perceptual fat, and we say, I've got a 10-foot putt here. Now, this putt can be made. It deserves to be made. Now, what do I have to do in order to ensure its success? I have to step up here, and I've got to hit it solid. And I'm going to do the very best I can. So we have to sort of be able to let go of score. And listen, I know it's easier to talk about this stuff than it is to do it. But this is what mental toughness, mental discipline is all about. It's saying, if I adhere to my routine, if I'm doing the right things, if I step into this putt and hit it the way I want to, that's what I have to judge the putt on its own merits, not whether it goes in or whether I make a par or make a bogey. It's did I hit the putt the way I wanted to? And I think when players, at the end of the day, talk to another player and they go, wow, you putted great. And the guy goes, well, I didn't make that money, uh, that many. But then the other person goes, yes, but every putt you stepped into, it looked like it had a chance to go in. And I think that's really the true measure of great putting. And it's something that, you know, we've been, you know, looking at now for about 40 years because some players like to make a lot of three footers before they go out because, you know, they feel if they can make three footers, you know, that they can hit some of their approach putts, you know, a little bit more freely. Others like to hit a lot of approach putts. But again, I think it comes back to one, just not having a practice uh, regimen. I think it comes to having a putting philosophy. And for me, it's having the philosophy that when I go warm up, I'm going to make my putting as real as I can when I go to the golf course. Ninety nine point nine percent of all golfers do not do that. They don't actually rehearse, prepare or even what I call a real live prehearsal. A prehearsal is a pre-round performance that says, I'm going to make this 15-footer, I'm going to go through my routine, I'm going to read this putt, just like I will when I go to the golf course. I don't see that. I see players putting two, three balls down, they hit a 15-footer, they miss it, they rake the next one over, and they've actually learned something, you know, quite through their own experience by hitting that 15-footer, and then they'll knock the next one in, but I don't see many times, you know, on the professional tours where a guy says, hey, I don't really like that first putt. Let me drop down another one here, okay? <laughs> and then they hit another. I haven't seen that game yet, you know, but I, I see it a lot, you know, with a lot of friends I play with. They go, I don't like that. Let me put that again. <laughs> so they're, they're going to do a do-over, okay? And if you don't really like playing with those guys. but And that's the point. We have to make, again, it comes back to this whole level of arousal and attention. And let me tell you really sort of what the great focus is. Focus is made up of attention and intention. Attention is the energy cost. When a teacher says to you, hey, Jim Grunberg, you need to pay attention to me. What you're doing then is paying an energy cost, focusing your direction into the gaze of that teacher and focusing on the object of her question. Now, intention is the other side of focus. It's what do you want to do with this putt? What do you want to do you know, with this shot right here? Now, when you put your energy and your intention together, now you have great focus. And I think that's what players need to do. And in order to answer your question, Cody, I would have players do a 10-footer, 15-footer, 20-footer, 3-footer with one ball. And I just have them go through four or five putts and make it as real with as much intention – As they would on the golf course, because we do have a separation gap between, you know, what happens on the practice putting green and on the real putting green, because on the real putting green, we've got the consequence. We've got the total. We've got the score. It counts. But if we can make it more, it counts here in your rehearsal putting phase. When we go to the golf course, you will see a marked difference and perhaps a more composed golfer on the real green. And let me say this, Bobby Jones was absolutely 100% right when he said we have two games in golf. We have that recreational, relaxed golf, and then we have tournament golf, or what I call score golf, or when something counts, or we're putting it on the handicap chart. So those two games, if you can marry those two games and make that arousal and intention and A-tension levels much more similar, before you go out, you'll have a better performance day.
0: Fantastic. I mean, great stuff today. Uh, you have been listening to The Putting Couch. We really appreciate it once again. Uh, brought to you by the Seymour Putter Company here at Seymour. We do believe that putting is, uh, is an area that you can improve. Uh, you can improve dramatically. You can improve quickly. Um, but it's going to take time and energy. That's why we bring this uh, podcast to you and um, today we've been joined by Dr. Bob Winter who's sharing some fantastic insights into all things putting and preparation, uh, things that uh, we don't talk a lot about, we don't think about a lot when it comes to game improvement, but uh, I know every single time we have you Dr. Bob we walk away and we feel like we've learned a lot and uh, I mean my takeaway today, I'll summarize it, I think the next time I'm out there playing I'm going to look at every putt as an opportunity to make the putt, not an opportunity to miss the putt and I think going back to the initial survey you threw out there with your students so many golfers I think are uh, as you said they're they're sort of uncertain they don't even know whether they should have confidence in their putting but every putt is an opportunity to make that putt and it deserves to be made as you say doc and that's the way I'm going out and uh, I'm going to start thinking about that next putt as an opportunity to make the putt this is the putting couch thank you
1: We appreciate you joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do wherever you're listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review because that's how we get the Putting Couch podcast content in front of more people. Also, take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag us at Seymour or hashtag Team Seymour.